This is my instant reaction to The Matrix Resurrections. For those of us born, well, a long time ago, and mostly raised in the 80s and 90s, we're having a embarrassment of riches in 2021 as the world ends. You can hear the fatigue in my voice, and I never anticipated leaving a Matrix film um, kind of tired. <laughs> I've left a Matrix film. I, I've seen all four Matrix movies in the exact same movie theater. Which just means I've gone nowhere in my life. But I return to my um, primordial movie theater. Actually, that movie theater's gone. They bulldozed the shit out of that one. But I returned to the movie theater I saw the Matrix in with my dearly departed father, who I miss every day of my life, who was uh, just nonplussed about the first Matrix movie. It was like, yeah, it's fine. But I was a uh, young junior beef boy, just super excited. I My mouth was open. It, it blew my mind. And I'm here to tell you that the Matrix is a one-trick pony. And it's lightning in a bottle, and it worked perfectly. It, it was the exact right movie at the exact right time with the exact right amount of imagination. And the sequels are a disaster. And if you, want to, if you want the very best breakdown that I've ever done, some people think it's the best thing I've ever done as a podcaster or a movie reviewer or whatever. I did a commentary track for the very first Matrix film that people loved. And I might not be available on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, but if you go to bingemovies.podbean.com, you should be able to find it. Just search for it. Uh, you can also go there and find our Patreon. Subtle plug there. Uh, and we have four levels of support heading into 2022. We're going to be doing a lot more on the Patreon. And you'll be able to get these instant reactions even more instantaneously if you are a clerk-level supporter or above. Right now, we're just releasing it to all patrons of all levels. But if you're a clerk or above, you're going to get instant reactions even quicker. So, now that I got that out of the way, uh, one of the things I loved about the first Matrix, and I, and I talk about it on that commentary track, is that it took me a long time to figure this out. Nobody told me this. I didn't read it somewhere on the internet. I just watched it, and, and I understood it, I think, on an intuitive level first. Um, but then subsequent rewatches of the entire trilogy. This was something in the early 2000s. I was obsessed with my instant messenger at college. You could get like matrix downloads for it. And mine was everything that has a beginning has an end. And like, if somebody tried to like, um, I am you or whatever, like matrix code would scramble. I love the matrix. I was obsessed with the matrix. I may or may not have dressed up as Neo to a particular junior prom. It was embarrassing. Uh, blunder years. I may or may not have done a reenactment of the Burley Brawl for my senior, uh, for a senior event when I was a senior in high school. Embarrassing. Um, embarrassing but true. So I love this series, right? So, um, and I, I, my immediate reaction to the sequels was not that I hated them. It was that, well, maybe I just don't understand them or think there's things they don't like about them but I really believe it's going to be able to pay off. And I remember I sat in a parking lot outside of my university library in, after the Matrix Revolutions came out, and I had a, I don't know, two, two-and-a-half-hour conversation with a guy who worked at the movie theater that I worked at at the same time, who still works there, ironically. He's a general manager, uh, I think. And we just debated. I mean, we just, it basically, it was like a podcast before podcast kids. It's just what nerds used to do. 
And so that's what he did. I was like, this, this is, you know, this stinks. Well, here's why. And this doesn't make any sense. And <clears throat> I wanted to just, you know, I really wanted to love those movies. But what, something that, that like, sort of intuitively that I picked up on and then it all came together later is that the first Matrix film, the cinematography of the first Matrix film is almost any single shot in that movie is exceptionally precisely framed and shot. And everything is so intelligently from your close-ups to your reverse shots to your wide shots. Every single thing was meticulously pre-planned, pre-programmed. And come to find out later, I identified this, but afterwards I was like, well, am I right? So I did some research and come to find out later that the way the Wachowskis um, presented this to Joel Silver was not so much as a script treatment. They had that version of it. But it was more of like a previs Bible. It was essentially a very large graphic novel, and that's how they presented it. Now, did they lift wholesale certain shots in that graphic novel version of The Matrix from existing manga and other graphic novels? Yes, they did. <laughs> did they lift it from existing movies? Yes, they did. We, weren't, we didn't have as much internet back then, so we didn't know that. And it was done in a subtle enough fashion that you didn't realize you were watching a shot-for-shot -shot recreation of Ghost in the Shell unless you were super into that world of anime and manga and what we used to call Japanimation. So uh, unless you were, like, really into it, you didn't get it. And at 14 years old, at the turn of the new millennium, still working on fucking dial-up internet, it was perfect. It was the perfect movie at the perfect time with the perfect technology. The sequel series didn't do that. The cinematography isn't that way. You don't have these perfectly composed shots, even some of the uh, wide shots for the action sequences because some of it, so much of it is digital. The wide shots are very flat in the Matrix sequels. It's just like a stationary camera and a very phony-looking set. I mean, look at that playground set where the Oracle and Neo are meeting. And, 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 and the, the thing about The Matrix is you can always say, well, that's on purpose because the world is fake. Yeah, but it's fake, supposed to be passing for real. And by the way, that was an aesthetic choice. We didn't do that in the first film. Even after Neo is awakened, there's... there's uh, Post-production color changes in the, in the Matrix at the beginning of the movie and later in the movie, once Neo realizes, goes back into the Matrix, and it's like, Jesus, I got noodles there, right? All this sort of stuff. Um, take out. So, but there, it, it just didn't look, it didn't look fake because they shot it somewhere in the real world, Australia, I think. And uh, yeah, so it, it, more than the neo-noir, tech-noir kind of feel to it, more than the bullet time, more than the gung-fu, more than the wire-fu, more than all of the stuff they did in the first film, which was groundbreaking, more than incorporating Hong Kong action with special effects in a way we had never seen before, more than being the first modern comic book movie ever made, which was my claim about the first Matrix years ago on that commentary track, and I have since heard, patting myself on the back, Keanu Reeves say the same thing. That was my revelation is this was a comic book movie before there were comic It was a graphic novel movie before there were such things, before they really existed like that. It took the visual style of that way of telling stories. The sequels didn't do that, and this movie it doesn't do that. And therefore, I just like it less. It's less distinct. There's several action sequences in the Matrix Resurrections that I'll, I, I, like, I was like begging. I'm in the theater. I'm like, my kingdom for a wide shot. Like, I know Keanu's older, but here's the thing. He's doing John Wick with wide shots. I just don't get it. I don't understand. I was not impressed with the action choreography. I was not impressed with the cinematography of this movie. I was not impressed with the look of this movie. I was not impressed with this weird jittery thing that they do throughout the film at different times. I thought it looked cheap. I thought it looked bad. I'm getting the negative stuff out of the way. Um, and at the end of the day, the movie is fine. It's not as divisive as the sequels, I don't think. 
Um, it's not as bad as the sequels. I would say this is the second best Matrix movie that's ever been made. But if the Matrix is like a nine out of ten, then this thing's probably like a six and a half or a seven. Like it's low. It's low, right? It's 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 a C plus, whatever that is. It's seventy five percent. You know, on Letterbox, it's it's like three stars, maybe three and a half on a good day. It vacillates between being like fun and cool and kind of the, the sequel I wish we would have got in some ways. I'm like, oh, okay, this story makes more sense or some of the stuff is streamlined to then being kind of boring to then being very corny. And I, you, that's not a word you hear me use very often, but this movie is corny. And I was just sitting there thinking about him going, this is some corny shit. And, it, and the Matrix is like retroactively kind of corny because of the techno music and like the weird leather daddy fetish shit. And the rave scene stuff that's very late 90s. But um, the further that thing ages, the better that, the, the less corny that is for me because the movie just basically says it's a simulation of the late 90s and he's in the rave, like weird hacker shit culture. So I'm totally fine with it, like, okay, being stuck in time because the Matrix is stuck in time. I think this movie is probably not going to age all that well. It just doesn't, I don't know what it is, but it's just. I have to look at who did the cinematography. I don't think it's all that great. And I think that this movie needed, there's so many ways in which the movie kind of goes back to its roots in a very, like, in a good way that I really like, that I can't get into without spoilers. And there's some innovations that it makes on the plot that I like that I thought, okay, that's actually pretty clever and it's pretty smart. So I guess what I would say is I think that there's like a, a pretty good script in here it's way better than the sequels. I think they jettisoned a lot of stupid shit out of the, this. And then they just filled it in with like weird meta on the nose corniness that isn't clever and isn't funny. The movie would be much more effective and much more of a mind bender that it's trying to be, which you're never going to get that back. So fuck it. Do something else. And if you can't, don't make it. But the movie is trying to be like this mind bender of like, oh, what's real? What's not real? And um, I'm pretty sure that this guy's still in the Matrix. Like the real balls would be, would you, this would suck. So I, I'm glad they didn't do that. But it was just like, well, it was all a dream, right? Like that would have sucked, right? It was all, he was it's psychotic or whatever. They could have gone even more meta with it and had, instead of Keanu Reeves playing Thomas Anderson again, have Keanu Reeves playing Keanu Reeves. Then you go real New Nightmare with it, which I've seen a lot of comparisons to New Nightmare and Last Jedi. This movie is neither one of those. Because fundamentally, it's not a deconstruction of what it means to be the one. Sequels already did that. There is no one. It doesn't exist. This is a tried and true sequel. Period. It is The Matrix 4. It's not, you know, it, I guess it's a soft reboot in a way. In as so far, it's a fourth film that repeats near beat for beat the first film in many ways. Um, I think if it was shortened, I think if you jettisoned some of the absolutely cornball shit out of this movie, including the very ending, which I thought the, both the after credit scene and the ending ending to this movie is corny as fuck. I think if you got rid of that, I think if you streamlined it, I think if you did a little bit more with the Morpheus character, I think if you, um, explored a little bit more of the world. I think if you got to the second act faster, I think if you got rid of some of these meta references, like for instance, naming the cat deja vu, it's a mild spoiler. It's fucking stupid. There's some groan worthy shit in here. And here's what I wish that Hollywood would just get out of their system. Making a reboot, soft reboot legacy sequel and identifying it as a reboot in the movie is not clever. It was not clever five, six years ago or whenever when, when Jurassic World did it and had the guy from Into the Spider-Verse have him constantly reference, like, this, this, is, this is the classic. I got the OG shirt. This park's never going to be as good as that. And it was like, ha-ha, okay, we get it. We are so far beyond that, like, we're, we know we're making something that's not as good and not as revolutionary. So we're going to just address that to the audience. Don't fucking waste my time. This shit is, audiences are not buying it anymore. It's not just me. 
it's just nobody's buying it anymore. My people in my theater groaned at some of that stuff. And it's just it it's it, it's we understand why this is being made. We've paid money to be here for you to tell us a story, not for you to deconstruct us watching the story. Don't don't do that. Don't like that's not clever anymore. And it was it's you have to be really fucking smart to be able to pull that off. When I buy a ticket to see a Star Wars movie, I don't want to watch a Star Wars movie that's about deconstructing what I think about Star Wars. Because you don't know what I fucking think about it. I want to watch a Star Wars movie. And right now, I don't, I don't want to watch any Star Wars movie. But if I did, that's the point. If I want to watch a Matrix movie, I want to watch a Matrix movie. I don't want to watch a deconstruction of what you think I think about the Matrix. Because you don't fucking know. You're not that clever, goddammit. And the best you can do, there's no difference. There's no difference between them doing it in this movie or Home Sweet Home Alone, where it's angels with dirty souls or whatever it's called, where they're like, oh, why do they keep doing this? Remakes are never going to be as good as the original. It's the same fucking shit. It's not smart. It, it is played out. It is corny. It is trite. It is the shits. Stop it. Luckily, once we get kind of past the first act of this movie, we get up past most of that kind of stuff. And I found that not all of it, but I found all, some of it to be very tedious. It could have been worse, but I found some of it to be so fucking tedious. I was just like, oh, my God. Here's the other thing. I predicted the movie uh, somewhere on here, I think. So somewhere out there, definitely on Twitter and definitely in conversations with people that maybe didn't make the cut. Maybe I got edited out. But at one point, I know I said to my significant other, I know I said, you know, the feeling I get from this movie, and this was months ago, like maybe even last year. I was like, you know, the feeling I get about The Matrix is that Warner Brothers is going to make it anyways, and they, they, the Wachowskis probably had a contract of first refusal. Anything you do with the Matrix, we have the right to first refusal. You have to come to us first if you're going to try to use the material, and we, we get a crack at it, right? We, like, whatever. And it's obviously that one of the sisters decided not to do it, and the other one did. And um, they brought other folks in to do some writing and stuff like that, which is fine. Um, and I just, I remember saying this and I'm like, and the cleverness of it's going to be like, you're going to make a sequel anyway, so I'm going to do it, but I'm going to make it a commentary about reboots and the lack of new ideas and old code and blah, blah, blah. And almost verbatim, what I told my significant other is in this movie. Uh, the the I, I I this is all non spoilers, but it's verbatim in this movie, and that's so fucking. I mean, I guess it, it's an acknowledgement that I have a decent understanding of how Hollywood works, which I should as a movie podcaster because I have spent my entire life studying this shit. So I'm not always right, right? But that's that's frustrating. The other thing that's frustrating, and I know that this isn't on, this isn't on the director, and this isn't on even Warner Brothers, but I'm very frustrated because these trailer houses that make these trailers, they're all third party, which means the movie gets made, post production gets done. There's all these different departments that make a movie from pre production, production, post production, and there are thousands of people essentially that work on movies like this that are very expensive, and your marketing team is usually pretty detached from the director and the trailer house, uh, which is a third party firm. There's only a handful of them that really exist at this level. They essentially, um, you know, they make all of their, they make all the trailers and they make all the decisions about those trailers and how they're cut and stuff like that. I think sometimes with some notes from producers, but, but not a lot of hands on from the director. We have now gotten into this thing where they got to show you, and I said this with Spider-Man, they got to show you 80% of the movie. If you have seen movies before, and if you can think like a hack, 
then you can piece the rest together on your own. You know who's going to show up, who's not going to show up, what they're going to do, what they're not going to do. And the only exception is sometimes they'll do something dumber than you anticipated. So luckily this movie isn't any dumber than I thought it would be. So I kind of already made my peace with it going into it of this is what this is going to be. It's going to be a meta commentary about the Matrix itself. And my guess was that either Neo in the movie is either going to be a, a he made a movie, he wrote a book, he did a video game, something. And the, the Matrix is going to exist within the Matrix. And it's going to be essentially a movie about making another Matrix movie. And that's not exactly what it is, but it's not far off. And I guess having made my peace with it, I don't know if I, if the trailer was more ambiguous, maybe I would have liked it or thought it was more clever than it was. I don't think so though, because I don't think it has anything really to say about any of that other than kind of to talk about itself. Just tiresome. And, or if I would have hated it, I think there's a greater likelihood I would have hated it had I not figured it out ahead of time. So there's some stuff I like in here, though. So I can't do that without spoilers, so I'm going to get into spoilers in the next section. Here's what I would say. It's fine, especially in comparison to the sequels. It's very uneven. It's kind of messy in, in a way that feels like it just needed to be pared down a little bit. There's areas in which it's simplified and for the, for the good. There's other areas where it's overcomplicated. And I think the biggest problem with this movie is the action's not remarkable. And the, it's just not as clever as it thinks it is. And more importantly, it's not as clever as it needs to be. And I'm going to even say something else. I've kind of already alluded to this. There's a sequence in this movie that's not an action sequence. It's an exposition sequence. And it should be a real mind bender. I mean, it should be a real, like, like the cinematography fails in this movie. It's not a well, I don't know how to put this. Because I, I, I don't know if I can lay it on the director or the cinematographer. I don't know. I don't know if it's a DP issue or a director issue. I'm not sure. I don't think it's as visually creative as you would expect a movie like The Matrix to be, especially a sequel after 20 years. And there's a sequence in, in which, I don't even want to spoil it, but there's a sequence in which there's a couple of things happening at the same time. And it ought to be like, Holy shit, this is gorgeous. Because I see what they were going for, and it's really cool. It's just not shot with any... This movie doesn't have style. Like, say what you want about The Matrix, but it's stylistic. Stylistic, for sure. This movie has no style. It feels very, like... I don't know. It just... The whole thing just feels like it's okay. It's okay with some good stuff in it and, and some cheesy, corny, stupid shit in it. And so it's just fine. So I can't go any further without getting into spoilers. Um, I can't even tell you what I like about it without telling you spoilers. So from this point forward, it's going to be spoilers. And I feel less bad about it because it is on HBO Max. I don't know that you need to see this one in theaters. I don't know, especially with like COVID and everything that's going on, you might be able to just skip it, you know, because if it was that good, I would want to come home. You know, I went to the theater to see it because I wanted to give this movie its most optimal chance to draw me in. And I just sat there kind of passive in parts of what I liked and parts of what I didn't like. And, uh, and it just sort of ended and I was like, okay. And it ended on a really corny fucking note. And I was like, okay, well that sucks, but whatever, you know, <laughs> and I, you would, I would, you think I would rush home and be like, let me watch that back again. I have no desire to watch it again. I have immediate access to it at home. Uh, and I and could put it on my own screen and I just don't want to do that. I just have, I saw it. It's fine. Um, so that's my real review. So let's get to spoilers. I'm going to do spoilers now. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a pause. And if you don't want any spoilers, don't listen beyond this point. This is your final warning. 
It's 60 plus years since the events of the Matrix Revolutions. Neo and Trinity have been resurrected, hence the title, in the real world. They've been reconstructed by nanobots by a program called The Analyst, who's played by Neil Patrick Harris. I saw some comments from the lady one on Letterboxd, and she said, that, and on Twitter, that the casting completely threw her out. And I agree with her 100%. I think if this had been a more unknown actor, even like the architect was, even like Hugo Weaving was in the original Matrix, like just a, a, just an, a working actor, if you just got a working actor to play that role, I think it would have played a lot better. Um, I, it just took me out of it that it was him the whole time. It was very, very strange. Same thing with the Smith slash business partner kind of a deal. Um, I was just sort of like, which is, what's his name? Jeremy Groff or, you know, Mark McGrath. What's his name? I don't know. I don't even know what the fuck he's from. Whatever he's from, I never watched. So I don't give a shit. But I, that seemed, it seemed unnecessary that he was even a reskinned Smith. Like, what the fuck is the purpose of that? And I felt really tired. And he's in and out of the movie in a way that's not compelling or not interesting. And I'm just really like tired of it. Why would the, why would they even, I don't know. So basically here's the idea. The idea is that the analyst has figured out he he likes to analyze things. That's his deal. So here's what the analyst likes to do. The analyst has taken Neo and Trinity and reconstructed them. And because they, Neo is an anomaly. And even for the anomalies that typically carry the source code and your eyes are already starting to dry out. I know. This is all Matrix 2 bullshit, but every, every so many cycles and iterations of the Matrix, an anomaly eventually emerges. It has source code, and they've been in this cycle of destroy Zion, let it rebuild to a point. The one emerges, the source code returns to the main mainframe, Zion's destroyed again, and basically the whole thing is this, this loop for we've created a Matrix, and a certain percentage of people are going to wake up no matter what we do, and this is our contingency subroutine. So the, the one is just another part of the matrix, which is really fucking lame and depressing. And it's why partially why the sequels suck. Uh, and yet Neo somehow is unique, even amongst the other anomalies, right? There've been n- numerous iterations before him. And most of them have some kind of um, emotional attachment to the human race. There's some sort of emotional impetus to make them a messianic figure. Neo's impetus in particular is his very specific personal love for one person, and that's Trinity. If you haven't seen The Matrix Revolutions, Trinity dies. Neo and Trinity aren't really in The Matrix most of the movie. They make their way to Machine City. Meanwhile, in The Matrix, Smith has become a rogue virus-like program that is taking over the entire Matrix. So every man, woman, child, and program within The Matrix, including the Oracle, who's revealed to be kind of the mastermind along with the architect figure of the Matrix and how to keep people in line, um, they're all being overrun by Smith. And so they have to go to the Machine City. Neo does this negotiation thing. Trinity dies along the way. Neo's blinded. He does this negotiation thing, which essentially says, okay, hey, he talks to Deus Machina. Yeah. Wachowskis have never been subtle. Uh, which is a giant baby face like from fucking Power Rangers on this spiky orb. And what do you want from us? He's like, you know, Smith's out of control. I got the power of the one. You put me in the matrix. You supercharge me and I can end this. And And if I end it and save the matrix for you, then you'll spare Zion and you will let anybody within the matrix who kind of wakes up on their own go free. This, and then Neo, we think, dies. We don't actually ever see him die. We, we see him sort of fade away. This uh, basically says, yeah, all that happened. All that still happened. But the analyst program snatched Neo up and snatched him up and was kind of analyzing what made him different. Of all the anomalies, he's an anomaly of an anomaly, which is fascinating to this program. And what he figured out was... There's nothing really special about Neo on his own. But so he's like, okay, well, what's the missing ingredient here? And then he realized, well, Trinity. He had this affinity for Trinity. So let me resurrect Trinity. And when he does, he realizes that there's some kind of power between them. Basically, one unlocks the other. And that if you can keep them at a sort of close 
but not able to ever truly be together. It creates this uh, fusion energy that, that they can run the remainder of what's left of the machine world off of the power of the misery of Neo and Trinity, basically. And so they have to be close, but they can never be together, and that powers the machine world. Now, the machine world has divided. It's gone to war against itself because so many people were liberated and freed. They've started to run out of energy, and the machines have turned one against the other. And uh, some of the machines are now on the same side as human beings. Zion, including Morpheus, refused to move on from their more aged belief systems of us versus them, us versus the machines, and in this, the belief of the prophecy and the belief in the one. And so Zion, I, I don't, they don't really explain how it died, but it essentially collapsed upon itself. But another city was founded, which was a basically a, a, a co-project between machines who kind of gained their, their own form of independence and uh, humans in the real world. And they, have, they call them sentience or something like that. And the sentience and the human beings have teamed up and they built this city, Io, and they live together in harmony. And I thought that was great. I thought that was a really, if you're going to continue on with the thought of the sequels, I thought that was really smart. And I think The Matrix Reloaded probably should just like picked up there. I think what Io is, is what Zion should have been. That's infinitely more interesting than Zion. Io is already a better place, even though it's similar than Zion. And I think that that's what it kind of should have been. <laughs> and I like the idea that, and also there's this technology that doesn't make any sense, but it basically allows like nanobots a la Sandman from Spider-Man to form physical-like manifestations of programs. Uh, so there are programs who are in the Matrix who are helping human beings as well. And that was pretty cool. They can kind of exist in both worlds just like people can. Uh, cookies need love just like people do. Everything does. Um, I kind of like that. I like, I like that idea of it. That was pretty cool. So there's like, like bug-like robots, but they're, they're kind of good bug robots. And then there's, you know, still sentinels and all this sort of stuff. Um, it doesn't really make any sense that there's still sentinels because they should be, if the treaty still stands between them and the, machines I, I just it doesn't make any sense so that part is a little confusing but basically eventually what happened was they relaunched the matrix and this relaunch matrix they purged all these old programs including the oracle and good riddance because that went from being one of my favorite characters to now i want to just do not give a shit about so oracle's been erased um you know a lot of the old programs are gone the old agents everything the the old exiles are all erased so we think Neo is Thomas Anderson again. He's living in this new matrix in which, in this new world, the matrix is a series of video games. Three, it's a trilogy of video games, the most popular, innovative video games of all time. But at some point in his life, he tried to kill himself. And um, he believes that he, he's under psychiatric care and he believes that you know 20 years ago he tried to kill himself. And essentially, he believes that he is psychotic, that he lost himself. He built this game off of part fantasy, part of his real life, and that he lost touch with reality. And so his doctor, his analyst, is Neil Patrick Harris, who, of course, is the evil program running this all. And his boss at the video game studio is a reskinned, recoded Smith. I have no idea why Smith is in this world after he almost destroyed the machine world and the Matrix, why they would spare him. No clue. Uh, Neo, I guess, kind of makes sense, but Smith doesn't make sense at all. And so anyways, he like, believes he's hallucinating this, that, whatever, but he's created this little kind of pocket universe, essentially, within the Matrix. Uh, he thinks he's created it just like online in his computer, but he's actually created it within the Matrix itself. Because then the one does have the ability to rewrite the code. And he's essentially created this like loop program. And the loop program is where Morpheus is. That's why he's not Lawrence Fishburne. He's a younger version of himself. And the idea is that if he runs this loop program for a sentient program version of Morpheus, that 
eventually young Morpheus will come to his senses and find a way to break Neo out again. It's like a contingency or a subconscious contingency that Neo creates for himself. That's a very interesting idea, and you think it's going to be like a really big part of this movie, and then it isn't. He just is like, oh, I am Morpheus, but I'm also partly Smith. Okay, that should go somewhere. Nope, it doesn't because there's another Smith, the original Smith, who's not Hugo Weaving, who is this other guy, but who is kind of trying to sort of sometimes act like Hugo Weaving, but then not at all. And that's kind of a mess. It doesn't really make any sense either. And Morpheus just is kind of there for the rest of it. Like, it just doesn't really kind of mean anything. He's like, oh, I remember who I am. And it's, da, 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 da. it's, it's just, it's not a bad performance. It's just sort of an under-realized idea of the script. Like, based on the relationship of the first three Matrix films, Morpheus should either not be in this at all or ha- should have a lot more to do. And they came up with an interesting way of bringing him back that they did nothing with, which I would assume are saving for some kind of a sequel. Um, so he's in it and he's involved in some of the action sequences, but it's not really all that exciting. The uh, Neo does not want to believe. Every time he's about to snap out of it, he manifests in uh, 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 Neil Patrick Harris. I might have said Joseph Gordon-Levitt, but it's Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> his office and he's under psychiatric care and the cat's name is deja vu which is corny as fuck and then eventually he's awakened by this new generation of i don't know what they are were they hackers what were they i don't know uh but called uh bugs as in bugs bunny get it because of the bunny and the white rabbit and follow the white rabbit and ha 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 and there's just a lot of stuff like that and they the whole point is they the warner brothers wants to develop a matrix four and there's just long, unfunny scenes with obnoxious characters talking about, you think about the Matrix, what do you think? And Christina Ritchie's in it for all of two seconds, very odd choice, and you think, bullet time, and that will come back because at some point, Neil Patrick Harris name drops bullet time in the movie and creates a bullet time of bullet time, which is stupid (laughs) and looks shitty, and doesn't do anything. It just does, it serves no purpose other than to be a commentary on itself to jerk itself off. So that's kind of what this is. It's a mixture of this and that. Neo, of course, eventually does escape the Matrix again with Bugs and the crew on her ship. Turns out the leader of IO is Niobe, and she sucks just as much as Jada Pinkett Smith sucks in real life. And she's kind of a villain through part of this and kind of not and blah, blah, blah. And that stuff was all right. But for the most part, I didn't care. It felt redundant after a certain point. And then uh, here's a really great thing. Neo is not God and Neo can't do anything he wants. He is back in the Matrix and he can do some stuff, but he's diminished again. And I think that was what the sequels were missing especially now 20 some years on where we've seen a lot of fight choreography. It, the, the, the action sequences of the matrix sequels, very many of them are boring because there are no stakes. It doesn't matter. It's a guy who, you know, is not going to die fighting computer programs and just saying that they're vampires and werewolves doesn't make it interesting. That solid contact that bam, bam, right. That like, thudding sound and that like that that you know punches breaking surface tension of the air you get in that first matrix movie and the kicks and the, the grunts and the blood and the pissing the shit of it you know to quote mickey from rocking let's get back to the the the, the blood and that pissing that shit of it right like the 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 blood and the guts is what makes that first matrix movie so cool because there's limits to his abilities so then when he does something extraordinary, it's just momentary. And this movie does a much better job of getting back to that. And that really works. And if they had had a better cinematographer and better visualization and better storyboarding of what this is and a more creative presentation, even if it's just uh, 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 going back to the way they shot it in the first film, I'm not saying recreate shots because they do that in this and that gets really annoying. But they recreate the shop, they don't recreate the style. If you could have recreated the cinematography and the way that it was shot, and, and I, it's, it would have gone a long fucking way. 
So for every like good idea, there's an equal and opposite bad idea in the movie. And if, and if you're going to sit here and tell me, well, that's how they planned it, because even that's meta. They're not that fucking smart, right? They just made a wildly uneven movie that somewhere comes together in the middle and ends up just being okay. And it ends up being okay directly in comparison to its predecessors. This thing does not hold a candle to the original. And none will ever again. And the central tension of the movie is basically Neo is like, I'm out. Fuck, this sucks. I, I don't want to be here. Like, I, everything I did in the first three movies is worthless. And then what I did like is that the characters are like, no, it's not worthless. The things that you did, it worked. The sacrifices you made worked. It freed not just human beings, but also freed some of the machines. It changed everything. We've been able to build a society where Aunt Harriet from Family Matters can grow strawberries. I'm not joking. And where programs and robots and or machines or sentients or whatever they prefer to be, synthetic persons, and all of this, we can live together in peace. We've had peace for 60 years. Why are there still sentinels? I don't have any fucking clue. But but uh, you know, maybe Zion couldn't give up war and just kept fighting with the machine world. Maybe that's the implication. Not sure. Uh, I've only seen the movie once. So I think that was really good. It's not one of these reboots that's like, hey, everything you ever loved, none of that ever mattered. So when people compare this to The Last Jedi, it's not. It really isn't. Neo is basically Neo. He's just older, a little weaker, and just has to remember throughout the course of the movie who he is. And uh, they kind of tie it in with the idea that basically what powers him is Trinity's belief. So he decides, I need to go get Trinity. Like, not just because uh, that's going to help me be Superman again, which God forbid, but also because, like, she believed in me. She helped me get out. I got to help her get out. And the whole tension is, what if she doesn't want to leave? And it's all about female agency. And those are smart ideas. They're not smart once you say out loud that this is all about female agency, which this movie does uh, repeatedly. And so <laughs> just let the movie tell the story and we'll get it. So then they have to figure out this like Mission Impossible style way of getting her out of the machine city and getting her out of the Matrix. And that's when the analyst shows up and there's a bargain and there's this really dumb fight with Smith and the Merovingian appears and now he's poor and he kind of looks like the train man. And he's like, I'll be back in a sequel or a spinoff of the franchise. And that was fucking stupid. And I hate the Merovingian. And the only thing, the only meta moment that actually made me laugh was when Keanu Reeves looked at him and went, oh, God. Just like that. And I was like, exactly. Um, this movie borders on self-parody at times, even a parody of the Matrix films at times. And um, I don't like that. I don't want parody. I want story. So, But um, I, I, I do like that this is a continuation and not an erasure of what came before. That is nice. So he's going to leave it up to Trinity. They strike a bargain. If Trinity decides to come with me, you let us go. If not, they're going to unplug my brain. You have no power source for the, this, the new machine city and the new world, right? You can't use the source code of the one to power the power plant anymore. Um, you know, you can't power yourself off of the anomaly. The anomalarium, which is really fucking a really fucking stupid name. Um, and they, they get to another one of my pet peeves. This movie is two and a half hours long, and it has continuous flashbacks to the first three Matrix films. Continuous. Not just at the beginning, not just during exposition, not just during flashbacks, but continuously throughout the movie. And I, I would guess the assumption is that because the second films were moderately successful but not very well liked that young audiences don't know what the fuck the matrix is i say that that is the problem for young audiences to figure out because we live in a world where they're streaming so just tell me the movie you have this movie if you took all the flashbacks out of this movie it would probably be like two hours and 25 minutes it's 10 it has to be close to 10 minutes of flashbacks and it's, it's all the way up until the end. And it's just, we don't need it. We don't need it. We don't need it. We don't need it. Just trust your audience. It sucks. Stop reminding me 
after a certain point of the other movies. Stop it. You're referencing the other movies. You're riffing in the other movies. You're making meta commentary about the other movies. You're making meta commentary about reboot culture. And then you're trying to use that same stuff you're parodying and riffing as storytelling framework. It's too messy. Stop it. You can either be a parody or you can take that stuff serious. But you can't do both. Okay. So then the movie ends where Trinity, of course, realizes who she really is. She picks Neo. Only this time, uh, when they go to fly away because they're getting overwhelmed uh, by zombies, basically, and this thing called swarm mode, which is kind of cool. Uh, uh, Neo can't fly anymore, but Trinity can fly. And Trinity, that would have to mean that Trinity has part of the anomaly source code. So she's also the one, but there's not one, there's two. And I understand what they're going for, which is they're sort of giving Trinity more agency and not making her just like the woman whose love empowers. And you could maybe say it's a trans metaphor for the Wachowskis. I know they're not both involved, but who were male when they made the first films and have transitioned to being female. You could say that that's part of what it is, that maybe they now more identify with female I don't really know. It doesn't really work for me. Like, it's cool as that metaphor. Like, I'm glad they could put something like that in the story. I'm sure there are other trans allusions to it. Uh, they even kind of have a joke where, where the, a bunch of, like, hacky video game producers are like, it's a trans metaphor. It's a metaphor. The first Matrix is a metaphor for this. It's all these people's different opinions, which is kind of what happened with the first Matrix. And it's kind of like a takedown on all of that and being like, yeah, like, we've heard all this We've heard, we've heard all the fucking stupid ideas too. So it seems like she's having she's having fun with the idea of that. And that was all right. A little bit of that goes a long way though. But when Trinity flies into a building and beats the shit out of Neil Patrick Harris while he makes misogynistic uh, alt-right comments to her, it was like, it's too much. And she snaps her fingers and somehow she has control over his program self and like can put him back together just to kill him again. And then they are like, go fly off together. It was, it was corny as fuck. It was really a really corny fucking ending. And it's just a mixed bag. There's, there's, there's no grand secret, no grand, uh, there's nothing, there's nothing great about this movie. There's, oh, there's, it's good and okay and, and kind of bad. But it's never terrible, and it's never great. It just hovers somewhere in the middle. So I just ran through the spoilers, I think, in like 10 minutes. That's it, man. It's all that's in this fucking movie. There's no, there's just nothing. Uh, there's a couple more things that pop up, and it's like, who gives a shit? It just doesn't really matter. You know, I, I, I may be sounding more negative than I feel about it. How I feel about it is what I've said, I guess, now ad nauseum. It's fine. A perfectly fine film. If you have a big TV with nice surround sound, watch it at home. And you got HBO Max and a VPN if you don't live in America. Just watch it at home. Just be done with it. Don't go to the theaters to see this. Don't risk Omicron to go fucking see this movie. It's just not worth it. So those are my thoughts on The Matrix Resurrections. I didn't hate it. I didn't love it. I thought it was fine. Um, if I'm ever tempted to revisit a Matrix sequel, it's probably going to be this one. Uh, just not, I'm just kind of wore out by it, though, more than anything. I just, it's just not how I want to feel, you know? And I, I, it's just, you got to come to terms with the fact that just like in the Matrix itself, the Matrix Resurrections itself, when multiple characters say, this movie changed everything, and we're never going to be able to top it. That's not just a funny haha. It is the God's honest truth. That the first movie changed everything, and no one is ever going to be able to top it with these characters in this world. It's really a one movie story, and the idea of ever making sequels to it is really kind of asinine. And at this point, the the ending of this movie it, it feels like fan fiction it feels like something that matrix cultists would have written in a forum in the early 2000s and so i think that audience the hardcore audience it's all about the trinity neo romance and 
thinks it's the greatest thing of all time, they're going to be eating this shit up. But I think for casual audiences or general moviegoers who really like the just the first Matrix movie, this one's just going to be okay to probably bad. And right now it's seeing it like 60 to 50-something percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Fair to say that's probably where it deserves to be. Like, that's... If you could convert that into a letter grade, I know it's an aggregate. Yada, yada, yada. I don't give a shit. It's not an average. I get it. But that's about where it is. It's, it's, it's about like a C-plus movie. That's what I think. It's fine. It's, it's in some ways better than it has any right to be. In other ways, it's just cheeseball, corny fucking shit. So I got nothing left to say about this motherfucker. I'm moving on with my life. <laughs> you know, if you would have told me that I'd be more excited for the season finale of Hawkeye this morning than the, a new Matrix movie just even two years ago, I wouldn't have believed you, but here we are. All right, those are my thoughts. I want to know what you think. You can, of course, always comment on patreon.com backslash binge movies to get this early and uh, a lot more other bonus content we're producing in 2022. You can always comment on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter, at Binge Movies. Let us know what you think of the show. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the house stuff. Uh, do all the things that everybody wants you to do. Go to bingemovies.threadless.com. Get some merch. It's going to disappear by the end of the year. Uh, by when we get to 2022, that stuff's going to be gone, and it's going to be gone forever. So all of our current designs are going to go right in the shit can. Gone. <laughs> disappear forever. Uh, yeah, subscribe, rate, review, all the fun stuff. Till next time, binge on.